What's going on, guys? Want to thank TopNotchOdds.com. Great new online sportsbook, and they are growing fast for very good reason. You can get your money into Top Notch. You can get your money out very easy. They offer tons of games, both before the games start and live. I know a lot of websites don't do a great job with live betting. Top Notch Odds, great odds and great bets before the game, but even more when the game starts. And I talk about this all the time. It's so important. If you already have a website or multiple websites you place bets on, it's important to shop around. I think that you should have at least three or four different sports books that you use. If you're not shopping around, trying to get the cheapest price for every game, you're going to cost yourself a lot of money in the long run. So I highly recommend topnotchodds.com. Check them out on Twitter at topnotchodds. And if you put in promo code SHARPEDGE, you'll get up to a 200% deposit bonus online topnotchodds.com What's going on? Welcome into the Sharp Angle Podcast. On today's show, NHL Monday. Let's do it. This is the Sharp Angle. Every day on your favorite podcast player. Alright, so on today's show, got a couple NHL news bits to go over and uh, we're going to talk a little fantasy waiver wire pickups to end the show, I have three guys who are available in more than 50% of ESPN leagues that I highly recommend picking up this week. But let's start off in Toronto, where the Maple Leafs just fired Mike Babcock, head coach of a couple years in Toronto. They fired him last Wednesday, and now it seems like it's just a whole... Kind of everyone's coming forward. Everyone's talking so badly about this guy. I never thought Mike Babcock was a top 10 NHL head coach. I frankly think that Toronto has been one of the more underachieving teams the last few years in the NHL. Now, I never really knew why. And here's the thing. When you bet the NHL all the time, you try and do your best to be in tune with what's going on in every locker room. I mean, I try and follow as many local uh, outlets as I can for all of these teams, whether it's... Uh, on the West Coast in California, or if it's the New Jersey Devils, everywhere in between, I try and always just try and get a feel for what's going on locally. It's great to follow the, the Twitter, uh, to read local newspapers, things like that, right? You get a good idea of, and, and that's not saying that you just listen to the Yahoos every morning on morning radio in Dallas and you think the Stars are a great team because the media is biased and, and every local outlet thinks their team should win the Stanley Cup every single season. It's just how fans and media are. So you have to sift through the bullshit, kind of, but you can really get good information when you know what to look for. And I didn't see many signs of tension between Mike Babcock and the team prior to this. Now, of course, there's going to be issues. I mean, Jim Montgomery... Jim Montgomery has, it seems like, an issue every two weeks with the Dallas Stars, but he's one of the best coaches in the league. So... I don't think that necessarily chaos equals bad coach or problems in the locker room. Mike Babcock had his fair share of chaos, but I, there was never a sign that it was really that bad until now, where everyone's coming out after Mike Babcock has, Mike Babcock has been fired. The main story centers around Mitch Marner, and I guess last year when Mitch Marner was a rookie, one of the most heralded rookies in years in the NHL, I guess my, <laughs> Mike Babcock asked Mitch Marner to make a list, and he said, all right, on this list... I want you to put together, uh, I want you to list the guys on this team from the hardest working at the top to the laziest at the bottom. And Mitch Marner kind of knew what Mike Babcock was getting to because Babcock didn't think Mitch Marner was working hard enough. He thought he was kind of coasting his first year, especially that first half year in the NHL. 
So Mitch Marner, being a good young rookie, not really knowing what to do, not wanting to piss anybody off, puts himself at the bottom of the list, okay? Well, Mike Babcock takes this list that Mitch Marner thought was going to be confidential, completely confidential, and he shares it with everybody else on the team. He's letting everybody know, throwing Mitch Marner under the bus. By the way, this kid's 19 years old at the time, not really knowing what's going on, trying to get acclimated in the in the league in the first place, and here's Mike Babcock just throwing him under the bus. I read this story today, folks. This is new. This is coming out recently. They did a good job of keeping this under wraps when Mike Babcock was employed, but, I mean, it's funny. I had... Toronto was one of my most overrated teams for months, year. I mean, not years. I don't want to make too big a deal out of this or kind of be hyperbolic in terms of how long this has been going on. But for the last good you know, season, in terms of last year at this point to now, I think Toronto's maybe the biggest underperforming, underachieving team in the entire league. But until I read about this and really you know what's going on in the locker room, you were asking why. I didn't bet on Toronto a whole lot for that very reason, but this makes a whole lot of sense to me. So we'll see how this new head coach does in Toronto, and we'll see how the team responds, but trust me, I think that they can turn things around quickly. I think Toronto is one of the more talented teams in the entire league. And we saw what happened when Barry Trotz went to the New York Islanders. And let's not forget, it's not just Barry Trotz. Barry Trotz gets all the headlines. I talk about him all the time on this show, so on and so forth. But it's more important uh, what's going on with the goalie coaches and, and the coaches who specialize in goaltending. Because when, I tell you something, when Braden Holtby had those coaches in Washington and then they all picked up and moved north to... Uh, New York with Barry Trotz, well, Braden Helby kind of fell off a cliff. I think those guys get a lot less attention than they should. So it's not just one coach. It's what their staff does and the whole feeling in the locker room, so on and so forth. But it's important. And coaching really matters in the NHL. We forget that. I really think that it doesn't get the... These coaches don't get the credit that they deserve. In the NHL, coaching is so important. We see it every single year. Look at what uh, Dave Tippett's doing with the Edmonton Oilers this year. He goes there his first season. Things change on a dime. So I think Toronto's going to turn it around. I'm going to keep a close eye what's going on with them the next couple weeks. But Mike Babcock out as head coach of the Leaves. I think that's a good move there. All right, let's get on to uh, Robin Leonard and... The Chicago Blackhawks. Robin Leonard is obviously now with Chicago. He just left the New York Islanders. I'm going to talk a lot of Islanders hockey. I just kind of used Barry Re- uh, Barry Trotz as a reference in, in uh, my my first kind of story with Mike Babcock. And here, Robin Leonard obviously leaving the Islanders last season. And everybody said when Robin Leonard left, oh, the sky is falling. How are the Islanders ever going to recuperate from this? And I saw on ESPN this morning, they are ESPN's number one team. They are my number two team. This is a real hockey team, okay? The New York Islanders. So Robin Leonard leaving uh, didn't hurt the Islanders nearly as bad as anyone thought. And I think that's because of the style the Islanders play, okay? But let's get on to Robin Leonard. Now he's with the Blackhawks, and I think he's still doing well this season. I really do. He's having a very good year in terms of GSAA, uh, essentially how many goals better are you than the average goal in the league, uh, save percentage, high danger save percentage, uh, overtime. I mean, Robin Leonard does a really, really good job. It's just when it gets to shootouts, he kind of falls on his face. Some people came out and criticized Robin Leonard in shootouts, so on and so forth. He, he bit back a little bit saying, oh, okay, all you experts come teach me how to play uh, hockey, you know, essentially come teach me how to play in the shootouts. But I think that it, it's kind of valid. I mean, shootouts are very different. I've always said this. Shootouts in hockey. When you play 60 minutes of hockey 
and then you play another five in overtime and can't decide a winner, and then you go to shootouts, it's the most asinine thing in all of sports. It really is, if you think about it. That's, it's the equivalent to this. If you play a basketball game, and it's tied at the end, and instead of playing overtime or whatever, you have a three-minute overtime, and it's still tied, and then you just have a free-throw contest. And you have th- three guys up, and you have a, a free-throw shooting. I mean, that's not basketball. It completely takes every other dimension of the game out. So the fact that the NHL ends with shootouts, I, I that to me is my biggest... The thing that I hate the most in this sport, and it's it doesn't have to do with, with betting on hockey because it's going to even out. I mean, you're going to roughly win or lose about 50% of the shootouts. Maybe if you're really good at determining shootout teams, you can hop on or live bet, so on and so forth, get nuanced with it. That's not what I'm talking about. Most people out there, the majority of people, the vast majority of people are going to go about 50% on shootouts. So I'm not, I don't have an issue with my betting in shootouts. I have an issue with how it affects standings, how it affects rankings, how it affects everything. I mean, you get two points for a win in hockey, one point for an overtime loss. So you get to the, you get to overtime, you get to shootouts. One team's getting one point, one team's getting two points. It doesn't seem like that much during the game, but if you go through the course of 82 games, you're going to have probably 15 to 20 overtime games, okay? Let's say you have, and that's that's not lying, folks. I mean, 25% of the games for each team going to overtime is a very conservative estimate. There's a lot of overtime games in hockey. So if you're going to 25 overtime games a year, the average team, and let's just talk averages here because obviously some teams are going to be higher or lower, but if the average team is going about 25 overtime games a year, 2025, they're going to go to probably seven, eight shootouts. And that's the difference between seven or eight points if you're winning or losing those shootouts. And I promise you, come playoff time, seven or eight points could be the difference between first or second in your division and not making the playoffs at all. So I hate the, how, how these games end, and I'm getting on a bit of a tangent here, but bringing it back to Robin Leonard, he's just not good when it comes to shootouts. And so... I wanted to use this as an opportunity to bring up Robin Leonard because I've been shitting on this guy for a while and I've been saying, oh, look, my point really was never that Robin Leonard's a bad goalie. It's that he wasn't as important to the Islanders' success last year as everyone thought he was. I still think Robin Leonard's actually probably, believe it or not, a top 10 goalie in the NHL. Probably more between 5 and 10, but this guy's very good. As I said, he's leading the league in many uh, sabermetrics. He's top 5 in a lot of other sabermetrics. This guy... Uh, can fill the stat sheet up. And and let's face it, when you're playing in Chicago, <laughs> it's not the most goalie-friendly environment to be playing in, not the most goalie-friendly system to be playing in. So, Robin Leonard biting back, I certainly like that, and he's having a pretty good year. Look, the Islanders are doing fine, but I think he's doing just fine as well. And he got paid, too. All right, so let's wrap things up here. Uh, I'm going to give you guys three fantasy hockey players that I think are very attractive this week. All three of these guys are available in 50% or more of ESPN leagues. Uh, let's get into Andre Burakovsky, uh, Colorado winger. Now, I really think that Burakovsky is making the most of his time being paired on the first line with McKinnon and Nazem Kadri, even after Landeskog returns. Miko Ranton returns. I still think there's a lot of value for Burkowski. Look, in five, he has a five-game point streak, and in four of those games, he has multiple points. So he's really stepping up for the Avs lately, creating offense and scoring. Three power play goals on 11 shots this season, so he's one of the more efficient shooters when he's on the ice, and his ice time keeps going up and up and up. Look, Jared Bednar likes this guy. He's giving Burkowski a ton of opportunities, and I really do believe that even after Landeskog and, and, and Ranton and get back, there will be value for Burkowski. Remember, it's not just about 
how good these guys are. It's about the value. Can you get them on waiver wires? If you're uh, playing daily fantasy, you can maybe get Burkowski for cheaper when those guys come back. And I still think there is value, especially with such an offensive team like the Colorado Avalanche. So Andre Burkowski is my first player uh, to pick up this week on waivers. My second, we're going to go to the New York Islanders. And the thing with the Islanders is they don't have a lot of they don't have a lot of love in the fantasy world because they're not an offensive team. But I think Brock Nelson is really underrated in the world of fantasy hockey right now. Uh, he's on an under. First of all, he's on an underrated scoring line with uh, Anthony uh, Bolivier and Derek Broussard. He's got nine points his last six games. Brock Nelson is on pace for a career high in minutes, on pace for a career high in points, and he leads the Islanders with 66 shots on goal. I understand New York's not going to get that many games where they're just blowing up the offensive stat sheet, but Brock Nelson, for, again, an underrated scoring line in the NHL, right now 13th efficiency in scoring in the league, I think Brock Nelson's a valuable pickup. He's available right now in over 60% of ESPN leagues. I would pick him up right now because that is a good, valuable pickup especially at this point in the season. Uh, last here on my list, Mikhail Granlund, the Nashville winger. Uh, Granlund had a slow start th- to the season. 22 games in, he's only got nine total points, but six of those points came in the last five com- uh, total games. He's taking on more with injuries to, uh, well, well, I guess with the single injury to um, uh, uh, Arvidsson, Victor Arvidsson, and he's making the most of playing next to Matt Duchesne. Look, when Matt Duchesne signed with Nashville, I always thought of Duchesne as a selfish player. He never really was about when he was with Ottawa or Colorado or Columbus last year. You really heard a lot about Duchesne being a selfish player, uh, not getting along with teammates, causing kind of a ruckus in the locker room. But since he's gotten Nashville, he's uh, one of the most efficient passers in the entire league. I mean, this guy's racking up assists at an all-time high. So... I think Mikhail Granlund is, is really making the most of playing with Matt Duchesne and, and utilizing Duchesne's passing now and uh, scoring on the, on the end of it. So I like Granlund, available in over 50% of ESPN leagues. Nashville, one of the better offensive teams this year, and Granlund still widely available. So all right, that does it for today's show. Hope you all enjoyed that. Good luck tonight in your bets. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Sharp Angle. This is the Sharp Angle. Every day on your favorite podcast player.